Overcoming. First week we spoke about what? Overcoming forgiveness. Being able to perform and, and forgive somebody and get yourself where you need to be. The second one was overcoming self. How many's had any problems ever overcoming yourself? Anybody have? Yeah, two of us, three. 100%. All the hands went up. They meant all went up physically, they went up spiritually, we'll say. But overcoming self, and it's something that we've all had to deal with and we all continue to have to. I looked online and wanted to look online too, trying to find a, a, uh, um, an illustration for this. And the illustration is overcoming the pull. Overcoming the pull. And I thought about tying it to somebody and trying to pull them across the, the platform and, and thought if I got up here with the rope down there, I could pull them down or, or just whatever. But how many knows what we're talking about? We talk about overcoming the pull. The pull. Not the swimming pool, not the baptismal pool, but overcoming the pool. Regardless of who you are, there is something going on in every one of our lives that there's a constant battle for. I will tell you the battle can become minimal and become very, very rare that you ever begin to ha- have a battle with it again. But the reality is this, that you will have to pull yourself out of these situations that are very difficult. The pull, what is it? The enticements that promise something, but in the end, they are heartbreaking. Have you ever had a dream? You ever, you met the, you met the guy, you met the girl when you were in high school or, or junior high, and you, man, you were just in love. You were in love until the guy broke your heart, until the girl broke your heart. There's a pull of your heart. You know, I never get mad at Wanda for very long. But I do get mad quite often. Every week. Not every day, but every week. I'm mad about something. If I don't deal with the pull of the, the anger, the frustration, I would begin to be in resentment toward her, and it would be worse than just anger. Well, I have a pull. We all do. It could be a variety of things. What are some things that we have to fight against? Pulls that we have in our life that tow us back and, and try to do something detrimental to us. What's something that can happen in our life? What's a pull that we deal with in our life? Pride. I'm, it's, it's open for everybody here for just a second. Then I'm going to close it back down. What is something that pulls against you in your life? Things of this world, not of him. Your past. Yeah. Does your past ever torment you? What is the, what is the uh, tendency to pull on your mind? You know, when you come to church, you have a great service, you go out to your car, and you kick on the radio, and a song comes on, and instantly you go back, maybe to your past, or maybe to your present, or, or maybe a long time ago. It depends on what it is. When I was at Teen Challenge and. I don't refer to it a whole lot anymore, but it was, a, it was a great experience for me. It was great for me working with the guys up there, and uh, I learned a lot from them. But one of the things that I learned after the guys completed, and they went through 16 months or uh, 14, 14 to 16 months, a home center, about four or six months, and they, they go through the Mid-America Teen Challenge. Uh, they would go there for 10 months, and uh, many of them kept in touch with me for a long time. And they may go out and... and uh, 
live their life and it's really good, but a lot of them would tell me it's really easy to go back to that old tugging to something that we're familiar with. You know that in your life, probably at this point in where you are, you're not going to have a tug on something that's necessarily new. We're adults, we're mature, we've experienced a lot, but when we have a pull in our heart, we have a, a tug on us that's always weighing on our mind, it's usually something we've dealt with in our past. Go to Zechariah, if you will, in chapter 7. That's toward the end of the Old Testament. Chapter 7. The things that I would hear from the guys at Teen Challenge was um, when things would get begin to pull on their mind, to pull on their heart. It would be an old friend after they got out of the program and somebody would find their number or get in touch with them through Facebook or whatever it was. They sent them a message, and it was just one person who began to challenge them, and they noticed that their heart began to change and began to twist and go back towards some old things. <clears throat> Many times it was detrimental to them, and, and there's one, two guys, Brian Adams and Jesus Hidalgo. Um, I'm sure that them with you before about them, but uh, Jesus and, uh, and Brian Adams both, he wasn't the guy that sang, I wore my sunglasses that night, it was a different Brian Adams, come on y'all, okay, so <clears throat> they, uh, they went back to Arizona, where Brian was from, and, uh, and they got involved with some, some people, just, just like a lot of people who fall, fell away from the Lord, many of us in here, if we're not careful, they began to get enticed with people calling them and letting them know that they're still around if they want to be around. And before you know it, Jesus and uh, Brian were back in the, the, the world of running drugs and uh, experiencing all the wonders of it, of it. But while they were running away, they got busted or a drug deal went bad. And uh, Brian and Jesus both. And let me tell you something. Jesus was absolutely... The, the quietest and, and sweetest and, and kindest guy when he was at the program. I mean, it was, it was just his nature. He was just kind, and he worked like a dog, man. He, just, he was just a, a unique guy. And Brian was a, was a 21-year-old. No, he was 18-year-old. Uh, when he came in the program, he was 17. And uh, his, wife, his mom, he had never knew his father. His mom had died. Um, and uh, she choked. She had a seizure, and she swallowed her her vomit, and she choked to death. And uh, he lived a, a very, very different life. It was very hard to follow him and his life because he'd been all over and involved with so many different people in his family. And, but, uh, but when they went to run from this drug deal, and they were running away, and it about got away, but uh, one of the guys shot and hit Jesus in the back, and it, it killed him. And Brian got away, and that's the last I've heard of him. I've heard, heard of him in about 20 years. And... Um, but I was just thinking, what was it in their life that enticed them so much to go back? What is so miserable about the life they had that they had then after they went out 
uh, Teen Challenge that they had to go back. You know, that one last hurrah, or that one last uh, adventure, that one last uh, adrenaline rush or whatever it was. What was it that drew them back? Because every one of us have something that draws on our hearts. In Zechariah chapter 10, I'm sorry, chapter 8, and the Lord spoke his word to Zechariah again, saying, This is what the Lord all-powerful says. Do what is right and true. Be kind and merciful to each other. Don't hurt widows or orphans, foreigners or poor. Don't even think of doing evil to somebody, somebody else. But they refused to pay attention. They were stubborn and did not want to listen anymore. They made their hearts as hard as rock and would not listen to the teachings of the all-powerful Lord. And they would not hear the words sent by his spirit through the prophets. So the Lord all-powerful all became very angry. Now, you may not ever see a little kid do this. But this is actually, when I read this, I began to envision someone who didn't want to listen to correction. I'm not big on going and bringing words of correction to people and saying things that would really uh, confront them about where they are. But I'm telling you, when you won't listen to words of correction, it's amazing how, many, how, how, how big the door is open for all types of things to come in and overwhelm you. We have a couple granddaughters that live with us, and um, one's name is London, one's name is Maisie. And uh, Maisie has learned, I'm guessing she learned this at school, or maybe from experience, I don't know. But anytime that you begin to tell her something, she doesn't do it too much to us, but she does it to her sister. If her sister wants to tell her something, what does she do? La, 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 la. Allah, has anybody ever seen a kid do that? Does that fury at you? It does me. How does God feel about it when we turn a deaf ear to him? The reason that God is involved and wants to be involved in your life is to give you order and to give you peace about what's going on in the midst of it. You may have a lot of turmoil, but God wants to give you peace in the midst of it. They refuse to listen. They refused to listen, and they pulled away. They turned their shoulder. They turned their shoulder on him, and they stopped their ears. Rebellion starts at a young age. Hands over your ears. So does that make you unaccountable when you refuse to listen? No, because you know what's being said to you when your hands are over your ears. Even though you don't hear the words, you know what the message is. I want to read verse 14. What happens? I want to just, before I go to verse 14, it's amazing to me how many people over the years I've known have been in church and, and now they're out of church and, and we may talk from time to time and things. But it's amazing that the condition that they get in simply because they would not listen. Not, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about just listening to me. I mean listening to the voice of God and listening to the Holy Spirit when he speaks anything to their heart. Because there is no way the direction they went, they had the Spirit of God leading them in the direction. No way. This is what happens to us, and this is what will happen to you if you close your ears and turn your shoulder and blow off what the Lord says. I will scatter them like a hurricane to other countries they did not know. The, this land, this good land, was left ruined behind them so that no one could live there. They had made a desire 
they had made the desired land a ruin. And I begin to think about us. What all happens in our life when we run the other way? Just because there's a pull, regardless of what we like or don't like, there's always a pull. But when we leave and we stop our ears and we won't listen to things that God's trying to show us through, through a word here, a word on the radio, a word from a brother or sister in the Lord, it's amazing how horrible it becomes. Because they embraced the pull, the life was a whirlwind. The life was a tornado. The life was like a hurricane. No direction, no purpose, and no plan. No direction, no purpose, and no plan. Let me tell you something. Everybody in here, please listen to this. If you don't have a plan in your life, you've heard this said maybe a thousand times, if you don't have a plan in your life, your plan is to what? To fail. You are planning to fail in your life. If you don't have a, a set agenda of what you want in your life, and I don't mean it has to be a monthly, a weekly thing, but every, every six months there needs to be a goal that you achieve. There needs to be something going on in your life that you're accomplishing. Because if you don't have a list and you don't have a, a, a mental image of something that you're wanting to achieve in your life, it is going to be a, a disaster. It's going to be every single person in here. A whirlwind throws things randomly. And then you begin to think, well, life has left me empty-handed. Life has been a disaster for me. Simply became a disaster when you got caught in a whirlwind of life. You were never supposed to be over there. You were supposed to be right here. Or you're never supposed to be right there. You were supposed to be here. There's, there's certain reasons, there's certain Places that the Lord has plans for your life. Second place I'd like you to go is, is in Philippians. I'll tell you where to go there in just a, minute, a moment. This, uh, this morning I had a couple of people say, uh, the pull of your past. It's strong. It is strong, the pull of your past. It is strong. How many has ever had uh, to deal with anything from your past? It pulls you. Anybody? I know we had two right here in the front. Anybody else? Really? Is it getting easier, Bobby? <laughs> it's still there. But you have to deal with it rightly, correctly. And as, you long, as long as you deal with it correctly, you keep it in your past and you don't let it become a future. The pull of your past. The pull of your past. Let's talk about that just for a second. Um, my past is um, uh, pretty blessed. A lot of things went on, and uh, my second year of high school, we, my father decided to move away. We moved down to Williamsburg, Kentucky, and we left Mount Vernon to move to Williamsburg. It was about, uh, about 40, 45 miles away, and he was pastoring down there, and, and, uh, and I thought the world was coming to an end. I thought it was all over. I thought I was done. I was so mad. I was leaving a high school that I loved. I moved to a little bitty school. I moved from a school of about 1,000 to a school of about 200, and... Uh, but what I thought was going to be terrible was actually the best thing that could happen to me in my life. Uh, academics, sports, um, just a lot of things were really good there. And I um, went blank for just a minute. I'm going to go back to my notes, I guess. 
Oh, I draw my path. I loved Williamsburg. Loved it. Lived there two years after I graduated high school. We lived there a total of four years. And we ended up going right back to where we came from, Mount Vernon. My dad began to pastor there again. Kind of crazy, uh, crazy cycle. But, you know, when I was in high school, uh, you kind of think you're something that you're not. And uh, I won't go into a lot of details, but I used to live in the glory of going to Williamsburg, graduating class of 82, coming all, I was all district, all sectional and basketball and, and all these things. But if you're not careful, those things that happen when you're young begin to play them over in your mind. I wonder what I missed out on. I found out that I, missed, I didn't miss out on anything. I had a purpose. It was much greater, but that was part of the purpose. Pull of the past. The first item um, to deal with is with forgiving those who've hurt you. Many of us don't have anybody that's really hurt us, but some of us might. Forgiving those who've caused pain in your life, your ex-boyfriend, ex-husband, ex-girlfriend, ex-wife, your father, your mother, your good friend. And the, the hardest thing about the past is forgiving one other person. And everybody knows who that is. Who is it? Yeah. You sit and you rummage through things and, and, and constantly running through things and run through your mind and, and think about what you could have done. Oh, how you wish you would have. And, and if I just would have done this different, if I, if I just would have dated her, if I just would have dated him, if I just would have stayed away from these people in my life, all this stuff is, is just pulling on you. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 13 and 14, brothers and sisters, in other words, okay, listen, everybody here just listen for a minute. Brothers and sisters, just listen. I'm Paul. I've killed a lot of people. I've done a lot of embarrassing things. If everybody knew what I had done, you'd run me out of here. Nobody would be trusting me with your kids, with, your, with adults, with anyone, because you think I would sabotage something that's going on in your life. Brothers and sisters, I know that I have not yet reached the goal, but there is one thing that I do. Forgetting the past and straining toward, it, toward what is ahead. Trying to reach the goal and get the price for which God has called me through Christ Jesus. What is the price? Exactly. It's when you die and you, he says, well done. Well done, my good and faithful child. You know, he, he might talk King James like it. He might say, good job, Nick, man. You made it, buddy. Good job. High five and send you on your way. I don't know what we're going to go in to do, but, but that's in essence what we think. He could have allowed excuses to provide a way out in his life, but he didn't. And I think this is Paul's goal. That there was a time in his life, just as he was determined to kill everybody he could kill who was against Judaism. These new Christians, I want to kill every one of them. The same passion, he turned it around to try to win the lost because of it. Everybody tried to win so they would understand who Christ was. And he forsook all those things in the past. So what's, it, what's his goal? His goal was that everybody came in contact with. And he came in contact with many people. He didn't dwell on those who sought him. 
He didn't dwell on those he had harmed. He realized that he had, there was a purpose in his life. The pull comes from, when does the pull usually come? I, I guarantee you when Paul first was converted, he was so in shock that Christ came and appeared to him and got his attention. And he was so shocked that I don't think he was caught up there for a moment. He wasn't, wasn't worried about his past. But later years down the road, when they began to think, remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 9, maybe it's 1 Corinthians, about uh, the Lord sent me a messenger of Satan, and he began to buffet him. He began to accuse him, began to say a lot of things to him to discourage him in his walk with the Lord. Let's go to Old Testament for just a moment. There's a girl by the name of Ruth. She had a... Kind of a, a rough past. Ruth the Moabitess. What are the Moabites known for? They're known for the perversion. She said something in, in her in her mother-in-law's departure that ever would establish her coming and going. And I think it's true in each of our lives. There's things that we say. I believe when Paul was saying what he said, it was, it was monumental. And I think it's monumental for us. There's certain things that come out of our mouth. Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. Everybody stand up for just a second. You will be out of here before noon. And I know that's good. I want everybody to stand up for just a second. I want to make sure you're good and awake. Okay, you can sit back down. First time I've done that in a long time, but I didn't want to lose you. In chapter 1 of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 16 says, But Ruth said, Don't beg me to leave you or to stop following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be my, my people, and your God will be my God. My God. That, that, that comment itself followed her all the days of her life. And it followed her, and she remained committed to that, that, that words that she said. And Boaz was drawn to her because of what she said and how she lived. Even when she didn't, I guarantee you she got discouraged, and she began to think about Moab and her family who was back there, but she, she stayed steadfast. And because of that steadfastness, God honored her. She had a purpose, and she was based in her words. She had watched... A father-in-law and two, her husband and her brother-in-law. There's a reason they came. They were Israelites. They came down to Moab because of a drought or whatever, a famine. But she learned enough about the God to know that he was legitimate and there, there was something different about people who worshiped and prayed him and blessed him. What she see with Naomi? When we read about Naomi, we usually think that she's usually a gropper or a wine sack or something like that. But she saw enough faith in her that she hung on to what she knew was true. What you say in public it develops something inside of you. What you say in private, what you say in public and private develops something within you. I don't think I'm getting that across good. What you say, the words you utter in private and in public. It makes something well up within you. And, and I've said this many times in Matthew 37. You can go there if you want. Matthew 12, 37. I'll just tell you. 
by your words you shall be condemned, and by your words you are justified. There is so much authority in what we say and how we view ourselves. Even when we look at our past, as Paul had to do from time to time, we say get discouraged about it because there's a pull. There's a, a natural tendency, if you will, because we have a natural sin nature. We have a tendency to go back that way. But when those things begin to pull upon us, it's going to be something that comes from the inside that says, I'm different than that. I used to be that way, but then no longer runs deep within my life now. I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 18. What you say can mean life or death. What you say can mean life or death. When you look at your marriage, if all you do is talk down and talk bad and talk negatively about your spouse, then how can you ever experience anything of favor in your marriage? I'm, there's no way. Because you know what? When you see it enough, well, we know what? How does faith build? Faith cometh by what? Period, comma, whatever, right there. Faith comes by hearing. You hear some enough times, you're gonna see, you're the one talking. You're also talking about how negative, how horrible your marriage is. Guess what you're gonna have? You'll go home to a house of misery. For sure. I think probably all of us have had our greatest struggles with our old habits. And um, things that we don't talk about too much and things we don't like even brought up, but there's things that plague this whole church about your past. Old habits. This is a kind of silly one that, that Glenda struggles with and I, I still struggle with if I let myself, is Mountain Dews. I'm just saying, it may seem innocent. I'm going to go on to say that. Okay. Um, habits. How about habits? What are some things that, I'll just throw down a few here. Habitual ha behavior. Things that have been uh, relied on in different times, in times of difficulty, or just in leisure. So I wrote a few things down. Sugar. I've had a temptation like crazy for the past 20 days about sugar. I love sugar. I didn't know I liked sugar so much. I love it. I love it in the form of chocolate. I love it in the form of nuts wrapped in coconut and chocolate like Almond Joys. I just loved it. I did. Cookies. Oh, my goodness. Chicken noodle soup. Those are all. I'm being a little silly, but, but think about it. Those little things that we take for granted, oh, how I've, I've desired to have them. Food itself, alcohol, shopping, hunting, hunting, fishing, cursing, foul jesting, blaming others, drugs, talking about people. Let me say that again. Talking about people. I'll say it one more time so it really sinks in. Talking about people. 
accusing, gambling, lusting. Those are all things we've had struggles with. Maybe one or more, and maybe all of them. One thing about it, I promise you, they'll always be there. They won't be as severe. You will have mechanisms that you've learned to overcome, and those things don't really dominate your life anymore. But there's something knocking on your door. I've always heard, I've always heard, I don't know where that saying came from. You can't teach old dogs new tricks. It may be true, I've never tried to teach them any tricks, but in your life, what needs to be retaught? What is it that keeps pulling on your heart? Past habits. Go to Psalms chapter 5 if you would. Let me come back up, Kyle. Chapter 5, verse 3. Lord, every morning you hear my voice. Every morning I tell you what I need. I'll wait for your answer. Every, your voice shall be heard in the morning. Every morning I hear his voice. What is that implying? Every morning I wake up. Listen, you have a purpose every morning when you wake up. Every morning. It doesn't come natural. It doesn't, you know, by nature, we all, we've heard, we just said a minute ago, we all have a sin nature, and we all have a desire to do our own thing, and we all have a desire to turn over, get a little more sleep. But there was something about early in the morning. You know, Jesus, well, go to Luke, Luke chapter 5, verse 16. If you want to go there, you can. Chapter 5, verse 16 says, But Jesus often slipped away to be alone so he could pray. I'm gonna if you read the previous verses, he was involved in ministry. He was involved in people listening. He was involved in teaching. He was involved in, in, in working in miracles and, and variety of things. But many times it said he would get the crowd, he would be in amongst the crowd, and he would slip away so he could go spend the time in prayer. Why was that? Maybe because he was tempted in all manners like us. Maybe he had to get away so he could what? Keep his focus pure. Keep his attitude right. Keep his, not, not focusing on himself and that the people were not just enamored with him because people were enamored with him. People were ate up and they wanted his complete attention. And people asked him to come over to their house and eat and they did all these external things and, and that could have been enough for Jesus just to get caught up on just a moment. Let me tell you, an old saying I've said this many times here at the church, Perfume is to be what? Smelled and not swallowed. People may 
tell you all these things and, to, and compliment you and, and praise you, but then the next day, that very same person is the one who can turn and stab you right square in the chest. Jesus had learned that the pool had to be fought with something. He said he slipped away all the time. He slipped away. Slipped away. Why do you have to slip away for? I tell you why. Because people are constantly wanting him, telling him to come here. I got another problem for you. I got, I got someone else who needs to be touched. I need some else. There's somebody else here who needs a healing, needs a healing or a forgiveness or whatever it may be. But he learned that if he did not slip away, if he did not slip away, he would never become successful like he had. Same in your life. If you don't learn to pull away, you may have things pulled on your life and from all directions. And at times it seems like there's multiple things at once. But you've got to pull away. You've got to separate yourself and pray. And pray. How do I pray? Just be honest with God. God, you see, man, you see all this. This is eating on my heart and, and the anger is, is coming back. And, and Lord, I need victory over this. And I've been talking about my, my wife and I've been talking about my husband and I've been living in so much remorse over my, or something that happened to me years ago. You gotta pray about it. Because praying what it does, it molds the way we think. And however you think, that's how you'll be. Humility. And arrogance are open to the voice of the are open to hear the voice of the Spirit. What does that mean? I can be humble, I can learn, I can become arrogant and hard because the more I hear a voice, the more I want to do what I want to do, I will accomplish it. I'm going to read something to you. I heard this song this morning when I heard it, man, I just jumped all over me. I don't want to hear anymore, so teach me to listen. I don't want to see anymore. Give me a vision. That you can move this heart to be set apart. I don't read to recognize the man in the mirror. I don't want to trade your plan for something familiar. I can't waste a day. I can't stay the same. I want to be different. I want to be changed. Tall of me is gone and all that remains is a fire so bright the whole world can see that there's something different. So come be a different in me. I don't want to spend my life stuck in a pattern. I don't want to gain this world but lose what matters. So I'm giving up everything because... I know that I am far from perfect, but through you the cross says, I'm worth it. So take this beating in my heart, come in fresh, and come finish what you started. When they see me, let them see you, because I want to be different. I want to be different. I want to change. To all of me is gone and all that remains. Oh, fire so bright. 
the whole world can see that there's something different. So come and be different. I want, I just want to be different. That song was one that they used to play almost, uh, seemed like every time I went to John 3, 7, 16, I want to be different. I used to watch the guys all stand up in unison, watch the guys on the platform. And Why do they sing that song there all the time? Because they know the battles and there's a pull in each of their life. And I want to be different. If there's not something different in me, I'm going to become like everybody else. I'm going to read one scripture in closing. Isaiah 43. Verse 16, 17. This is what the Lord says. His one who made the the road through the sea and a path through the rough waters. His one who defeated the chariots and the horses and the mighty armies. The fell together will never rise again. They were destroyed as a flame is put out. Verse 18. But the Lord says, forget what happened before. Do not think about the past. Look at the new thing I'm going to do. It's already happening. Don't you see it? I will make a road in the desert and rivers in the dry in the dry land. Man, there's people in here I know that there's been a battle within your mind, within your heart this past week. When we were singing earlier and I came up and I said, one of the easiest things to do is quit because you only see this part. When we see the whole is that God is working it out, he's bringing things to pass if we just give him time. Just give him the time. Remember time in your eyes and my eyes is very limiting. Time does not have any impact upon God. He doesn't think that way, he is impacted that way. Time is an issue, but, you, but to you it is. I'd like you to stand with me if you would. I want you to bow your heads with me. This past week has been a week of temptations. A lot of people fasting. I know the temptations and the strongholds and the barrages come in a variety of ways. I know you're here. It's whether or, not, whether or not you do anything with you being here determines the outcome. But now you're here and you've had a rough week. A lot of pull and things have come into your life. But you want to take this scripture in Isaiah 48 about he has created a new thing. He has begun a new thing in your life. And you take that, you accept it. If you're here this morning, we got plenty of time. If you're here this morning, and that has been you this past week, the pools have been overwhelming. From things you never ever thought about, the things that may be on your mind all the time. Would you come and find a place to stand around front?